This podcast is proudly sponsored by O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Jeff Thompson, a former Australian fast bowler and cricketer, playing 51 tests for Australia, taking 200 test wickets. He's arguably the fastest bowler of all time. Post-career, he's been inducted into the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame and he's a mad fisherman. And Lenny Pascoe, a former Australian fast bowler and cricketer, playing 14 tests and 29 one-day internationals for Australia, taking 64 and 53 wickets respectively. Post-career, he's been a coach, public speaker and also a mad fisherman. Let's get started. So on the show today, Jeff Thompson, former Australian fast bowler and cricketer. Welcome, Tomo. Yeah, Shane. How are you, mate? Good, mate. And Lenny Pascoe, also a former Australian fast bowler and cricketer. Welcome, Lenny. How are you going, boys? And uh, it's good to have Jeff on there. He's the fifth fastest bowler of the world. <laughs> oh, you, you couldn't wait to say that. I thought you'd I have me up. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I thought you'd <laughs> have me after Jeff Demick now. <laughs> hey, boys. Well, I didn't realise that you two actually – Went to the same high school together. Tomo, who was the best student? Who was the better student out of us two? Uh, yeah. I yeah. know. Lenny probably listened more, but he didn't learn much. <laughs> you can't learn much, Shane, if you're mouse flapping all the time. You know, you're not a good listener if you're doing all the talking. <laughs> Shane. Yeah. Tomo's parents attended more than he did. <laughs> <laughs> Please explain why your son's not at school. <laughs> He's off to Maribu with a pair of flippers in his uh, school bag. It's funny, but, I mean, uh, two of my kids were exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you boys both going, Lenny? How are you going during this whole bloody lockdown COVID thing, mate? How's, how's the health and how are you going? Yeah, look, uh, you, you sit there, you look at your iPhone <laughs> of all the news, news is around, you sort of follow the cricket scenes as much as you can. And we've all got opinions on it. When you get older, you get better. And uh, we've all got opinions in relation to the Australian team. It's interesting now we're going into a transitional period where there's some really talented young kids coming through. But the, the one thing that concerns me is the amount of uh, young Where are they? that are coming down with depression. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've had Pakulski and then we've got this another fellow from uh, South Australia and we had Mitchell Johnson just recently. On the SAS show, yeah. So, and now, you, now you've got Sam Friday as well. <laughs> is he? Yeah. yeah he's he's right. come out in the papers saying he struggles. I mean, God, I wish I got paid there. What? I, I'd be dancing around, not whinging. So, Tommy, what's your take on all that, mate? Well, I was talking to Lenny about this yesterday, and I, I just think that when they've quit cricket, now oh, I might be right or wrong, I don't know, but, you know, they got paid, everybody's done everything for them. I think a lot of them have never had a job. Yeah. And now after cricket, in the real world, you've got to work all day. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like a, a normal job and it's hard work out there, and they don't get the money they were so used to. You know, everything done for them and all this. Now they've got to think for themselves get out there and get a job, maybe it's that. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it partly could be that. I, just, I, I think you're right, Tomo. I think you know, particularly back um, when you guys were coming through in your era, like you, you had to work, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we were younger blokes, I mean, yeah. you had a job yeah. first before you played anything, you know. So you, you, you were used to that you had to have a job. And these guys, like I say, they get, yeah, getting grabbed at a younger age, they get scholarships, 
They don't have to do anything. The money's good. They're laughing. And, and then all of a sudden it comes to an end and they just don't know how to handle it. They think, God, this is a pittance compared to what I was getting before, you know what I mean? And uh, that's the real world. Yeah, because, Lenny, you, you mentioned Mitchell Johnson on the SAS show. You know, he, he said he's got depression. You can almost see it in his eyes. Clearly he has. But, and I think, I think you're right, um, Tommy. Maybe they're not equipped to, to deal with the real world. What do you think, Lenny? Well, there was another fast bowler, Tate. He, he was, he was uh, down the same way as well. But the thing is, when we were working, I worked for Bankstown Council, Tom I worked for Monia Pipe, but let's go back to before then. Uh, Jeff's dad worked making fibrous plaster. That was a big heavy sheets with fibre in it. And my father was a brick carter and uh, I'd be on the wagon there and Jeff would be down working with his dad. And so you, you, it's hard labour and it's boring. And you, you, you just got to do it. And then later on in life, uh, when something becomes too difficult, you just don't give up. Uh, you find ways to cope with it. And that's where it's important. Your upbringing isn't mollycoddled. Uh, in fact, uh, my father used to say, well, what do you want to play that game for? Uh, you know, there's no money in it. And he was right. There was no money in it back then. Well, what about that day you... Your father bought you a bike, laddie, and you whinged about it. It wasn't the one you wanted. <laughs> the old man smashed it to bits. Oh, really? <laughs> How about that now? <laughs> he didn't, he's, he didn't whinge lobbed, about that again. <laughs> he's lobbed out the front of our place there at Greenacre with a load of bricks. He said, come on, give me a hand putting them off. And I've got this bike off him for Christmas and I'm polishing it up. And he said, you get in this truck. I said, no. He got out of the truck, picked up the, the bike and smashed it. But he bent the wheels the bloody lot. He said, now you're going to get in the track. (laughs) (laughs) I learned a lesson there. Respect your elders. (laughs) Now, going back to when you two were playing for Bankstown, when you both bowled rapid pace, is it true that there's still at Bankstown Hospital a a Thompson-Pasco ward for all the the guys you put in the hospital? (laughs) They should have been. We we employed a lot of people up there in those years. Bankstown Oval, the, the wicket was so dead. And uh, years later, speaking to the curator, I think his name was Athel, and uh, I said, why did you prepare such dust bowls when you've got, you know, a good lot of quicks uh, at, your, at your club? And, and uh, he said, I didn't want anyone hurt. Well, that didn't do them any good because I still got hurt. And, yes, <laughs> there was a ward at Bankstown Hospital named after us, and most second Saturdays it was being used by somebody either one of our own players or, uh, or, or one of these, because the wicket, the wicket was hopeless, you know. It was dry and one would go along the ground, another one would bounce around your ears. But, oh, it didn't, uh, bounce, didn't bounce around their ears. Uh, I mean, it was just, it didn't have much grass on it for that reason. I went to Bankstown Oval, oh, it must have been last year or something. I don't know why, but, God, it had grass everywhere, you know. I thought, why wasn't this when we were around? A shame. There was this match, uh, Tomo, he went out to uh, the Coogee Bay Oceanic with a fella called Groper, and uh, they've had a really big one. And uh, anyway, we were batting the next, uh, on the Saturday morning, and uh, it's come straight from the pub to the ground. And he said, you better put the pads on, says Johnny Dunn, uh, near the gate, because you're in next. And uh, so uh, I'm throwing some balls to him uh, to warm him up a little bit. 
and uh, he's walked out through the gate and he's been knocked over bloody middle stump first ball. And as he's come back through the, uh, the gate, John Dunn says, how'd you find the wicket? He said, well, I saw three stumps at one end, three at the other, and I thought to myself, this must be the wicket. He said, I saw three balls coming and I missed the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Laddie, Laddie, what about the time we played Sydney Ernie? Oh, <laughs> what, what happened there? What happened there, boys? What happened then? I, I, I was uh, going out with this bird, uh, but then uh, I won't mention any names at the time. And uh, I went out with her as well. <laughs> and I found out through Lenny that the bloke that I was bowling to had been trying to take out my bird. I, we, we actually got engaged, right? Yeah. And this bloke had taken her out. Wow. Jesus. Well, I just. I just slowly was destroying this place. I didn't want to get him there. <laughs> anyway, I'll let Lenny tell you the story. So, uh, you know, I was working at Bankstown Council as a community arts officer at the time, and uh, his Jess' fiancé was the secretary for the town planner. Anyway, uh, so he turns up and he's, he's batting number three for Sydney Uni. And... Uh, I said to Tom, I said, mate, this bloke's been, you know, he's he's been taking out your fiance. Did you know that? <laughs> Jeff's gone, oh, has he? So anyway, he proceeded to hit him from buddy from from his ankle with sand shoe crushes to his melon, hit him in the mouth. Anyway, our captain Dion Bourne comes down the wicket and he says, uh, Jeff, it's getting embarrassing. Can't you just get him out? <laughs> so he goes back to first slip. So I said to Jeff, you're not going to let him tell you what to do, are you? <laughs> just remember what he's been doing to your girlfriend. <laughs> and, and he's finally, he's, he's got the bloke out. And, uh, you know, my poor old Captain Dion didn't realise I was, I was, you know, feeding the uh, animal raw meat. <laughs> yeah, but the story goes on a little bit further, Shane. Oh, really good. A few weeks later, Lenny comes clean. He said, oh, Jeff, this is a true story. He said, I'm really I'm really worried about this, but I've got to tell you that I, I took her out as well, you know. <laughs> he was worried what I was going to do. I said, that's all right. I've been taking your bird out for a couple of months now. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like she should have probably got the O'Reilly medal that year. She had a, she had a good summer, but it sounds like things. <laughs> there were good days where you sort of – the game was played um, – in a different way. I mean, these days, great cricket is a career path yeah. for these young kids, and uh, they put them in the you know emerging blue. You know, you know the scene, and uh, you know, the, I don't know if the guys are enjoying the game as much as we did. We played it serious, but there was an element of uh, fun about it as well. I don't know if there's too much fun now. They're too serious. I think I think you're right there, mate. I think, and the, the problem is with that is just the um, it's the amount of games they're playing, and they don't seem to mean as much anymore. Do they get paid to play grade cricket as well? No, they don't. But they they're they're on most are all on contracts now, so you know, that covers them for the whole year, whether they play or not. Well, this is what I'm saying. It's, see, what I see it as too when I watch the guys on TV. It's like a job now, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, yep. we played because you had to play and you liked playing and you played with your mates and there was no money in it. We used to pay, you know, club fees to play, you know, that's how they, yeah. the club survived. 
now, now these guys, um, just like state cricket and all that, it's a job, mate. You know what I mean? They uh, they turn up like it's work, you know, not so happy, and it's all about money. You know, it's not about playing for your bloody Bankstown or your Mossman or whoever it is, Doomble in Brisbane. Or, it's about what's in it for me, you know, and, and, and it goes on from there. It goes on for your state teams. They can jump ship and work. all this 2020, they swap teams and all that. I mean, how do you follow a team? And, and the Aussie side, I don't think that's any different as well. The money they're on, I've heard they just sit in the dressing room and look at one another and think, how come you're getting more than me and all this? You know, th- th- this is the trouble with money, you know what I mean? It takes away the real meaning of the game and, you know, you, you're just in there for the coin. Shane, when you look at the, in the era that we played in, and you mentioned how many tests and that we played, and I don't know what Jeff got, but when I finished playing cricket, I got $2,000 as what they called the Provident Fund. And because of an era when you played and you sacrificed uh, a lot of things, you didn't have superannuation funds. So a lot of the players that from our era, they retired out of the game with next to nothing. The money you got was swallowed up in tax. It was 65 cents in the bloody dollar that were taken out in tax. So any money that you earned went to the tax man anyway. So you retire. And now where do you go after you retire? You either got to go into coaching or uh, you go into some form of business or um, you go into commentary. Uh, there's a big hole. Uh, when we were working, after we finished, we could slot back into work again, whether you wanted to be a real estate agent or whatever. But uh, the players that have had managers and every they're into the world of entrepreneurship. They're, they're business people. They've got managers. Uh, it's a different world. And if you're not capable of running a, a business, you won't survive in it, you know, You'll be lost. Couldn't agree more. All right, Dan, we'll take a quick break now. And uh, so it's just us two dining again today for lunch. So me being chef, and it makes a nice little spaghetti arabiata, nice and spicy. You know, some black olives, garlic, and a bit of lemon. And with that, we'll have a nice Shiraz, I think. Yum. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin, delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful gin journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. 
In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Hey, boys, I want to ask you both about the exciting times World Series cricket and playing with Packer. What, what, what was that like for you, Tomo? Well, I, I didn't get to play. I got banned, so... Um, I mean, as much as I, I was one of the first that signed for uh, Kerry Packer. I was one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I had to sit on the sidelines. So it was good. It was good hanging around. And in those initial days, there wasn't that many people. You know what I mean? They, they didn't quite know what we were all about, thought we were ruthless. And all we were trying to do was get a better deal sure. for everyone. Yeah. And, uh, and then people finally woke up to that, that you know. We, we were the real deal and, and, and it was good cricket, really hard cricket. But uh, I wasn't allowed to play in Australia, unfortunately, but I did go to the West Indies with uh, World Series cricket and we drew the series over there against that World Series super test team. Mate, that was the best cricketers I've ever seen in my life. And we, we actually beat them. Two of the games that we should have finished, they wouldn't go back on because they would have lost. Really? So it, it was a mental victory anyway. And uh, we, we weren't as good a side as them. I'll, I'll tell you that here and now over there, but we just were after them and they didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. You've got to look at the chemistry of a side, Shane. The, the fast bowlers on that West Indies tour, Maxie Walker was there, Mick Malone was there, Gary yep. Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, Tom O, myself and Dennis Lillard. And uh, well, Dennis Lilly was in cotton wool. I mean, he was a gun player. Yep. And uh, Jeff hadn't been uh, playing because of the suspensions. Yep. And then Lenny was sitting under palm trees at practice doing nothing. <laughs> and me and Trevor went up to him. He said, Any danger you could train with us? <laughs> it was too hot. <laughs> and then, hey, hey, Shane, and then another day we're playing at Barbados. Yeah. And, and Greg Chapel and myself have as a non compulsory training session, right? So Ian says, two up you and uh, Greg, you, you you don't have to come. <laughs> and Lenny's hiding in the garden, you know, because yeah, this is true. He's hiding in the stairs, under the stairs as they go up. And, I'm sitting there and, and Ian says to me, you seen that idiot mate of yours? I said, no, no, I don't know where he is. He said, will you tell that prick that he's got to catch a cab down the ground, his own cot, and to get his ass down there? Lenny, he goes... When he comes out the bushes, Daddy, I'll kill him. <laughs> anyway, apparently he went down the ground and bowled to Ian Chapel and tried killing him. He just bowled bounces to all. And Ian walked out and after the half-hour session said, thanks, Lenny, that was the best session I had, ever had. <laughs> hey, Lenny, one of the, the great stories I love about you was told to me not long ago by, um, remember Phil Marks? He played a few games in New South Wales. Oh, yeah. And and he said he was making his debut at um, Adelaide Oval and you'd bowled to Hooksy or whatever and try to bounce hook, Hooksy on a flat wicket there at Adelaide Oval and bounce me away. Then he said he came on, he would have been 30 yards slower than you. And you were standing at mid-off and you said to the young debutant, he said, what should I do? And you said, bounce him. 
So he said he ran in first ball and bounced Hooksy, and he said he hit him for six. Then you walked back. He said, what do I do now, Lenny? He said, bounce him again. He said, you hit, you hit him over the Victor Richardson gates. And then he said to you, what do I do now, Lenny? And you said, do you play tennis? <laughs> hey, that- how far do you reckon they would have gone if he didn't bounce them? <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't say that. <laughs> and how did you find dealing with Packer, boys? Was he intimidating? Go on, Lenny. Kerry Packer, look, he's someone who you respected, but he, he, was, he was fair. He, you know, he, uh, he, he paid for you, so you made sure that you delivered the goods. Yep. Uh, there was a very strong respect. But we were at Dremoyne Oval one day and Jeff and I were talking about fishing. You know, we're talking about brim fishing in a 13-foot tinny and uh, he joins the conversation. And he's got a mothership with a satellite boat and he's fishing with Jack Nicholas, and they're catching, yeah. you know, big marlin and that. Somewhere off the Queensland yeah. coast, uh, that was that was a little bit uh, intimidating. Sure, <laughs> you know, you sort of feel out of place there. Oh, but- he, he was fair, Shane. He was hard. Yep. You know, he's yep. a businessman. He's not a bloody soft. So yeah, gotcha. Uh, the first time the West Indies played when they first did it, they they were, like had a holiday. <laughs> He went in their dress room afterwards. He said, you think I'm kidding about this? You blokes play like that again. You'll be all back on a wow. plane back in the West Indies in a canoe. You know? so, wow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was our downfall because they, they got their back up then and just played their backsides off for the rest of the, the time in World Series <laughs> cricket. But Kerry, Kerry Strop and Hoax, mate, uh, they, they were great blokes, you know what I mean? It was just something else. It's quite funny because the other day, just yesterday, I drove past the uh, walkabout hotel, you know, the thing where they did the Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. I was in there talking with the woman yeah, yeah. who owns the bar, you know, there's photos around of them there and all that. And Brilliant. I said to her, I said, these blokes used to play World Series cricket, you know, being involved. It's quite funny, you know, when you walk around and here you are in the middle of nowhere and it just reminds you of stuff that happened. But but Kerry, Kerry was, uh, well, good for us, you know what I mean? Like it uh, – Sure. It, it – it did what we wanted to do, you know, uh, gave the bloody Australian cricket board a rocket and made them wake mm. up that, you know, the players weren't getting paid much. But uh, unfortunately, it only lasted two years because Kerry, Kerry thought he was buggering up Australian cricket and gave it back to Bradman and, and we got thrown back into the pack. There you go. If you're enjoying this episode, maybe check out a previous episode with Pat Cummins and Phil Burton for all things sport and music. Hey, um, Lenny, I was going to ask you, I was speaking to Steve Rickson and he reckons you wrote the shortest book ever written. It was a, it was a coaching manual on how to be a first-class cricketer. Is, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of swearing in it. <laughs> yeah. well, the shortest book ever written was Great Italian War Heroes, I think. But what, what was the wealth of knowledge in this book, Lenny? What's some uh, key points? Look, I was a collector of, I didn't listen too good, but I used to collect all the sheets they used to give us over the years. Yeah. And, uh, and I looked at all the things in the New South Wales team that I didn't like and I thought, well, I'll bring out the points from these sheets and I put it in a simplistic book to try and reach these guys so that it was uh, basically at about a 10-year-old's level. That's the only way you could get into these cricketers' heads. Yep. And uh, it was... Things like uh, how to conduct yourself for training, how yeah. you conduct yourself inside a, 
a dressing room uh, in the morning of the match, the guys that are yakking and bloody carrying on and they're, uh, they're the ones that most likely are going to fail. You, you look around the room and, uh, uh, you know, using the words like, uh, oh, we did this and we did that and we've got to catch better and uh, there's always somebody in the dressing room that wants to tell everybody else what we're doing wrong. Yeah, gotcha. And they're probably the one that's... Uh, not putting in. So it was a book on just uh, simple stuff that we take for granted. It was a little booklet that uh, when Dougie Walters brought out his book, One for the Road, I said, what's the next book you're going to bring out? And he said, Dead End. (laughs) 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 And I I said, I'm thinking about bringing a book out. He said, yeah. Does it come with crayons? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, Tomo, um, I ask every guest on the show, I both your boys the same question, but um, now what advice would you give to a to a young creator coming through? And I read a quote from you, Tomo. You said years ago, you said never refuse a young boy an autograph. He might have an older sister. That's a good tip. I like that one. Yeah, well, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> true. It used to work back in those days. Anyway, when I was single. Also, another good one for yep. that, Shane, is is don't refuse kids autograph because. You never know. I mean, I'm going to be a lecturer here, but you never know in life where that comes, where it's going to, the wheel turns, you know, and all of a sudden you're back in that real world that these guys are struggling in. Yep. And to be a nice bloke and sign kids' autographs. It's not hard, is it? You know, and and like an instance was the other day, a guy, three uh, generations cotton farmer, uh, was selling his uh, farms, you know, at uh, Gundawindi Way. And he wanted me out there. We got the deal. I worked for Lloyd's Auctions, right, as well. We got the deal because I signed his autograph and actually spoke to him and showed him a few things when he was a kid. And he said, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm just saying. You know, one simple deed for a minute or so, you could, you could quite easily tell that kid to bugger off. Yeah. And he'll remember it. No, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. So, but what, what advice would you give to a young, talented, say, fast bowler now, Tomo? Uh, it's like I said, I was coaching some kids here yesterday at Longreach Junior Cricket and just showing them, you know, some tricks with their actions and that. But I said, you know, the biggest thing is, he said, is practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't listen to what these guys are telling you on DB now. I said, the only way you're going to get any good is just enjoy yourself and train. I said, any of the okay. guys you watch on TV, this Thurston's, your Wally Lewis's, your Roger Federer's, whatever sport it is or golf, or cricket, I said the best ones are the ones that always work the hardest. Do the work yourself. You know, go home with a, go to bed with a ball in your hand and all this sort of thing or whatever it is and, and just love the game. That, that's the way you get to be really, really good. I agree. Lenny, what advice would you give to a young fast bowler? Before I answer that one, um, we're, we're a, bit, a bit of car enthusiasts. I had a 350 Monaro, which was the reserve car for Bathurst. Not the way you <laughs> I sold it for $3,000. <laughs> Jeff had a Cooper S, and uh, we were up at Black Charlie Zilla back at Connell Park playing coppers, sneaking up behind uh, all these neckers, and uh, he puts the high beam on and then suddenly shoots off. Well, the road went to the right, and Jeff went straight and put the front wheel under the sump. That was the first gutter he hit with the, with the car. Then he proceeded to hit a gutter with his uh, old man's uh, FC wagon, and then he hit a gutter with his uh, red Monaro. And then he's, he's nearly hit a gutter with a, uh, his brother's EH 
Holden. So he, he's got a bit of a record there. Yeah, but I learned I haven't had a gutter since. <laughs> Slept in a few. <laughs> so he, he, he shows me this uh, GT Ford, uh, GT shaky uh, Ford. Uh, it was a Phase 3 HO. Phase 3 HO. <laughs> you know, beautiful car, beautiful car. He, anyway, he sold it. Uh, the other, was it Christmas time, it sold for $1.2 million. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And my Monaro would have been a seven hundred and fifty thousand, and uh, his brother had an XU one Tirana, and I see one come back the other day after being stolen twenty seven years ago. But getting back to that question, um, yep, about uh, what, what's what the question? It's about the young. <laughs> about the, the, what advice would you give a young fellow? Yep. Look. <laughs> Stay away from guns. Don't sell. Have the, don't sell. Have I've the visitors been yet? There's a lesson for you. <laughs> I think when I look back, there were a lot better players than 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 what what happened. You know what? Than, than I, much better. Billy Palmer's and there's a whole stack of kids that we grew up with. And even at state level, there was better bowlers than me. But uh, I don't agree with you there. Uh, you know, there's something about a, a player's personality. And in my case, uh, I didn't understand it until the great rugby league coach, Jack Gibson, did a seminar and he talked about second effort. And, and he said that's when games are won or lost and that's when records are broken. And... Uh, by second effort is when everybody else gives up, when your butt's dragging along the ground and it's a hot day, miserable, and uh, the captain throws you the ball, uh, you come in just as hard for, as, as you did the very first ball to the very last ball. And that's the advice I'd give to kids is, is um, believe in second effort, strive for it because that's when success and great things happen. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, it's well said. Yeah, that's, and that's a little Jack Gibson quote, which I remembered for many years. Oh, well said, Lenny. Hey, Tomo, if you had to just pick your proudest moment from your career, career could, you, could you pick one out? Oh, I don't know, Shane. Just, just probably making the Aussie side, you yeah. know what I mean? Yep. And then, then playing in uh, a team with, you know, Dennis and, and Lenny and Marshy and the Chapels and Dougie and all that. And, and Gary Gilmore, people don't realise how good a player Gus was, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to be lucky to play in an era where, with such good blokes and when we were allowed to be ourselves. Yeah, gotcha. We've taken the characters out of the game, you know what I mean? I like, agree. These guys aren't allowed to think for themselves and allowed to, to play up a bit, you know, and all this sort of thing. We, we played hard, but we still had fun, you know. Uh, I'd like to play now and – and uh, earn the money, yeah. but I wouldn't like to play now, you know what I mean? Yeah, they I play all the time. They go here, there, and everywhere. And yep. Mate, that would drive me up the wall. Yeah. And Lenny, have you got a proudest moment, mate, if you had to pick one? I think when you play your first test, uh, is, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty big stuff. You know, you, to play it at Lords, the home of cricket, uh, and then have Tomo bowling at the other end, and you come from the back streets of Bankstown and, you, you fight your way up to that level and you survive it. And uh, I think that sticks in your mind. Uh, by the way, I was listening to uh, Piers Morgan uh, with, uh, when Brett was bowling to him in the nets. 
Nearly killed him. <laughs> the thing about that one, I was pretty sure Brett was using those balls you put in the bowling machine. Am I right or wrong? No, they were cricket balls. They were real cricket balls, were yeah, they? Yeah, they were, mate. He was bowling about five metres over the front line too, I reckon. <laughs> he broke his rib. <laughs> he did, yeah. And then, and then hit him on the same spot where he broke his rib. Yeah, that was crazy. Brett, he showed what, what a fast bowler's heart was all about. He's one that had a tremendous second effort. And uh, he pushed himself to the point where he broke his arm and uh, he, he just didn't know when to stop. And that's the sort of spirit you've got to have. Jeff, Jeff's the same. Dennis Lilly's the same. Uh, and I really, out of the current fast bowlers that I've seen in recent years, Stark is the only one that could have survived in World Series cricket. Okay. Why is that, Lenny? Number one, he's, he's damn quick. And he's got that high action left arm and he, and he passes the bat high like you did, Jeff. He, he pitches on a spot and it passes the splice. Other bowlers pitch on that same spot and they pass the bat knee high. So the batsman can play his strokes, but it's very hard to play up the splice. You look at Glenn McGrath, he was another one. He wasn't quick, you know, in the sense of a, a true fast bowling express, but he had this enormous lift off a good length. Yeah, very accurate. And uh, yeah. that, that's what the great fast bowlers can do. Yeah. Well, boys, listen, I want to thank you both for coming on the show. Um, I want to thank you for a couple of reasons. A, you, I always find you great company, really good blokes. But guys from my generation really need to thank you guys for what you did uh, when you played and the way you played cricket. You, you made me as a young guy really want to play the game. And I think that the generation playing now who are earning all this money should also thank the generations of you guys that played before them and, and what a great job you've done to set up the wonderful game that we always play. So really appreciate you coming on the show, boys. Righto, Shane. Thanks, mate. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Jeff Thompson and Len Pascoe. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, The Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out on our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be chatting some more complete legends about sport, music and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. (laughs) 